Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. This is Ahmed Sadek again, Assistant Professor of Medicine at Temple uh, within the Pulmonary Hypertension Group. And in this episode, we're going to talk about using the ECHO to complement risk assessment in pulmonary hypertension. So I wanted to emphasize that at its core, assessing risk in pulmonary hypertension is really about understanding um, not so much how high the degree of pulmonary hypertension is, but how well adapted the right ventricle is to pulmonary hypertension. And so going through the progression here of pulmonary hypertension, initially you have elevation in pulmonary vascular resistance, and the right ventricle adapts to this by increasing muscle contractility and uh, wall thickness, otherwise known as right ventricular to pulmonary artery pressure coupling. And eventually, in order to maintain stroke volume, um, the right ventricle starts to dilate. And when that mechanism fails and we're not able to maintain stroke volume, then the heart rate increases to try to maintain cardiac output. And in the final stage, um, the cardiac output is not able to be maintained, and now we have a reduced cardiac output, and the right ventricle is completely uncoupled to the degree of pulmonary artery pressure um, elevation. And so the echo can provide a direct assessment of how well adapted the right ventricle is to the pulmonary artery pressures and the resistance. And on the left, you see this non-invasive four-quadrant approach um, in this paper by uh, Saad Kuba group. Um, and on the right, from that same paper, you see a combined non-invasive and invasive approach. So you have three examples of patients. And I should mention here, actually, that in the non-invasive approach, you have a TAPSI, which is your marker of right heart function. And um, you, that correlates with cardiac output on right heart catheterization. And then you have a marker of PVR by echo, such as RVOT, uh, pulse wave Doppler notching. Um, and then over here, you have three examples of patients. You have patient A here, who has a poor RV function measured by TAPSI, but a, a near normal PVR here as demonstrated in A. And this patient has primary RV pump dysfunction. In other words, their mechanism of heart failure is not related to pulmonary hypertension at all. And then um, you have patient B here, has a very high PVR, as marked by the RV pulse wave Doppler, but good RV function. And this patient does have pulmonary hypertension, but his right ventricle has adapted to some degree to that elevation. And then finally, you have patient C. And you see patient C here has poor RV function um, with markers of uh, elevated pulmonary vascular resistance. So patient C has pulmonary hypertension, has evidence of right ventricular PA uncoupling, and this patient of this, these three is most likely to benefit from pH-directed therapy. And um, this study kind of demonstrates the power of, of right heart function estimates by ECHO. Um, in this study um, by Forfia group, um, the TAPSI, when used as a dichotomous variable, TAPSI less than 1.8 compared to TAPSI greater than 1.8, um, uh, is a stronger predictor of survival than PVR with a hazard ratio of 5.7 compared to a, a hazard ratio of 1.01 uh, with regards to PVR. 
Talking outside of TAPSI, um, we can kind of look at other echo parameters which um, correlate with risk as defined by the 2022 guidelines. Um, and high risk features include uh, a large right atrium, which is uh, consistent with a right heart that's failing to adapt, as just demonstrated in this echo image. Um, a TAPSI PASP ratio that's very low. Um, which is a direct metric of the degree of RV pulmonary arterial uncoupling. And then the presence of moderate or larger pericardial effusion. And the mechanism of pericardial effusion in pH is felt to be uh, due to impaired venous or lymphatic drainage due to high right atrial pressure. And you can see this demonstrated in this echo on the right as well. Another thought to have about using the echocardiogram is, in many ways, I find that it adds specificity to some of our non-invasive parameters, which can be affected by other conditions. And just as examples here, who functional class um, is subjective and can be confounded by comorbid conditions. Six-minute walk distance can be confounded by comorbid conditions as well, such as obesity, uh, joint pains from connective tissue disease, um, and then anti-pro BNP and BNP are more cardiac specific, but they are falsely decreased. They can be decreased in obesity and they could be elevated in renal disease. So by using the echocardiogram, you can put some of those functional parameters in context of, of the degree of pulmonary hypertension. And this study attempts to do just that. This Mercuro group study um, looked at um, about 150 patients divided them by traditional risk factor tertiles into low risk, intermediate risk, and high risk. And um, the largest proportion of patients actually fell in the intermediate risk group. And um, they then took the intermediate risk patients and um, they further substratified them by the degree of RV function as measured by TAPSI and the degree of TR. And you see the low-risk group, group one, had a TAPSI of greater than 19 millimeters and minimal tricuspid regurgitation. And they were classified in an intermediate low-risk group. And actually, their one-year outcomes were very similar to the low-risk group from the, inter, uh, from the traditional risk model. Whereas, uh, in contrast, the patients that had low TAPSIs, less than 19, and significant tricuspid regurgitation fell into this intermediate high-risk group. And their one-year outcomes were very similar to patients that um, fell into the higher risk group by the um, traditional risk factors. And this case kind of is an example of how to use the echo to sort out kind of functional limitations in a complex patient with multiple comorbidities. This patient has connective tissue disease, ILD. She was admitted with heart failure and has pulmonary hypertension. You can see her functional limitations here by her flu functional class in her six minute walk very high BNP, TAPSI's low at 15, has a moderate pericardial effusion. You can see the image on the left. She has significant RV enlargement and right atrial enlargement. And then this is the comparison after a pulmonary hypertension therapy. Um, you do see improvements here. Her six-minute walk test is better, um, though she still remains uh, somewhat limited with the functional class three symptoms. And given her limitations, she might have been put in kind of an intermediate risk strata, uh, uh, status by the um, pulmonary hypertension guidelines or by the traditional risk factor models. But you can see here that her echo shows a normal TAPSI, her cardiac effusion is now absent, and the RV size has shrunk down to normal. 
And so this patient looks by echo to be in a relatively low risk standpoint from pulmonary hypertension. And you can likely ascribe her residual functional limitations to, to factors such as her lung disease or her joint pain and not pulmonary hypertension. So in summary here, the echo can be a very valuable tool in tandem with some of our other risk assessment platforms to really complement each other and trend patients throughout pH therapy. That's it for this episode. Thank you guys for your time. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.